Well, welcome back to the Follower Podcast, everybody. This is the first episode in a brand new series we are starting called We Are Follower. Uh, now, this is a series that's been building for a while, and I finally feel like the time is right to share it here. So, what exactly is it all about? Excellent question. And to answer it, let's go back to the beginning. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Follower Podcast. This is episode number one. It's the 1st of October, 2018, and I'm coming to you live from a cupboard in Edenvale. Uh, let me explain that. Uh, I'm, I'm house-sitting a house, and so I'm walking around the room that I'm in looking for a place where I can record some sound and uh, see the cupboard. Open up the cupboard, and inside the cupboard are a whole bunch of towels. So currently, as I'm talking to you, I'm sandwiched between two open cupboard doors and a bunch of towels, and I'm really hoping this is going to get us some good audio. Now, that was a clip from the very first follow-up podcast episode. Uh, I remember recording it in my friend's home in a cupboard in 2018. I'm so old. Uh, it reminds me of where this podcast started with one guy, a microphone, and a desire to share thoughts and ideas about what it means to follow Jesus in the world today. I guess with pretty much anyone <laughs> who would listen. Uh, and by anyone, I mostly mean a few supportive friends and my mom and my dad. And actually, even my mom was only half committed. Uh, <laughs> uh, since then, it's been 72 episodes and four years since that moment in the cupboard. And I've shared some of my own thoughts and even had conversations with all kinds of other followers of Jesus from all over the world in that time. Uh, John Lennox, Jill Weber, Strawn Coleman, Trevor Hudson, Carolyn Orance, and Nathan Foster. These are just a few of the names that come to mind. And by the way, if you haven't listened to those conversations, I just encourage you to go back and do just that. And, and in this process, I've grown. It's almost like the podcast has been a free education for me. You know, some of these conversations have shaped and molded me, my mind, my faith, and my journey with Jesus. Uh, but I'm not the only one who's grown. You've grown as well. The audience, the, the people who listen to this podcast every week. To date, the podcast has had over 17,000 downloads from people like you all over the world. And that includes South Africa, the United States of America, the Netherlands, Sweden, Australia, and others. It's been an incredible journey. And I'm so grateful to, I guess, have been along for the ride of it. Um, what a wonderful thing to do with four years of your life. And the thing is that while all that has been happening in the foreground, something else has also been happening and slowly building in the background. And that something is that people from all around the world who, like me and hopefully like you, have wanted to grow in their following of Jesus, um, they've been meeting regularly online to pray and learn and really support one another towards this goal of, of, of following Jesus in the world today, of learning and practicing the way of Jesus. And, and at first, this was kind of just a handful of us, right, eight or ten people. And now, almost two years later, this handful has developed into a small community of people who, who are wanting to learn and practice this way of Jesus together. And, and that's really what this series is about. It's, it's basically an introduction to that community. 
it's me taking some time to catch you, the, the broader audience, those 17,000 downloads from all over the world, to catch you up on what God has been doing in the background with this small community of learning and practice over the last two years in, in a way that does at least two things. Number one, and, and probably most importantly, encourages and equips you in your own following of Jesus. And then number two, offers you an invitation to join uh, that community as we learn, learn to follow Jesus together. So in the series, uh, we'll discuss uh, why the follower community has formed, what a community of learning and practice in the way of Jesus actually is, uh, who God is calling this community to be as we follow him to the depths of his heart and the ends of the earth, and, and how you can get involved if that's something you're feeling stirred to do as you listen. Now, sometimes in the series, I'll be sharing stories, thoughts, and encouragements all by myself, uh, just like this episode you're about to listen to today. And, and sometimes I'll have discussions with members of our community as we reflect together on their experience in this journey. And then sometimes I'll bring in outside thought leaders and practitioners to discuss a particular idea. And, and so whether this inspires you to explore the follower community or not, here's one thing I really do hope. I hope that each episode will challenge your thinking, stir your heart, and, and lead you into deeper love and affection for the person of Jesus. Because in the end, that's what all this is, is really about. And so with all that said, let's jump straight into our first episode in this series entitled The Why Behind the What. Welcome to the Follow-Up Podcast. A place for conversations and ideas on how we follow Jesus to the depths of his heart and the ends of the earth. Follow is a community of learning and practice in the way of Jesus. And you can find out more about resources, events, and how to get involved by visiting www.wearefollower.com or finding us on your social media platform of choice. We hope you enjoyed this episode with your host, Matthew Lewis. What if it's possible, fullness of life? What if the ache in our chest could find rest in the hands of our maker, and the work of our hands could bring light to the hovering dark? What if love is a person calling us home to a seat at his table, where eyes lock and hearts burn and we breathe deep, alive? What if we were made for more than fading distractions wrapped tight in the shallow thrills of our age, while eternity waits in this and every moment just beyond the thin veil of our response to one simple invitation? Follow me. You see, the voice still calls in the wilderness, and the God of the garden still walks with those who take his hand. What if that could be you? The joy set before him. It's a phrase we find in Hebrews 12 too, where the writer of Hebrews is talking about Jesus 
and how he was able to endure the cross precisely because of the joy set before him. In other words, before Jesus had a what, he had a why. He had a joy that carried him up a hill onto a cross and out the other side of an empty tomb. It reminds me of the words of Viktor Frankl in A Man's Search for Meaning, where he says, those who have a why to live can bear with almost any how. Now, why do I share this with you? Because if we're going to talk about follower and the community that's developing here, before we speak about what we do and uh, who we're called to be and, and how we're supposed to live that out, what we have to be clear about is why we exist at all. What's the why behind the what humming under the hood of this community? What's compelling us to meet and pray and learn and practice at the feet of Jesus? What's the joy that's set before us that only gets us off the starting blocks but carries us through the race of following after this man, Jesus, together and then inviting others to do the same? Now, to answer that question, let me start with a story from Jesus, okay? Uh, Matthew chapter 13, 44 to 46. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and then covered up. And then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field, Now, at face value, it's a simple story. A hidden treasure found by some guy, let's call him Bob, who sells his stuff to buy it. But as we dig a little deeper, we find that there are some important truths in the story that help us understand the why behind the what of not only follower, but really our faith as followers of Jesus. Let's start with this idea of the kingdom of heaven. Have you ever stop to ask yourself what this is, this kingdom of heaven. Here's an experiment. Close your eyes for a second, whether you're washing the dishes right now or sitting in a chair or maybe driving on your way to work or in a train listening to this. I'm going to say that phrase again. And, and when I do, pay attention to the images and ideas and feelings that flood your mind. Okay, you ready? The kingdom of heaven. Now, what did you see as those words came into your mind? Were there maybe chubby babies with harps and wings sitting on clouds somewhere? Or maybe a set of pearly gates, a giant staircase, and some celestial bouncer with a big book deciding who can get in? Or, or was it maybe the grandpa god picture? A big throne and an old man with a long beard who looks a little like Santa Claus, suspiciously so, and he's smiling down at you. And here's another question about this kingdom of heaven. When did you see it? By that, I mean not only what do you think heaven is, but, but when did you think heaven is, or when do you think heaven is? You see, we, we seem to think uh, that heaven is mostly some time else and some place else. This is sort of the popular narrative of, of many people who believe and don't believe in Jesus in the world today. And this is problematic because in the scriptures, 
that's not the case. Jesus, and really the whole witness of the Scriptures from Genesis through to Revelation, seems to think that the kingdom of heaven, heaven, is in some senses here and now. It's... Um, it's another world. In fact, the word, the kingdom of heaven, uh, maybe in our context, it might be better to think about it, the reality of heaven, uh, God's ultimate reality. And this kingdom of heaven in the mind of Jesus is at hand. Think about this, Matthew chapter 3, right? John the Baptist, crazy camel hair wearing guy out in the desert eating honey. His job is to prepare the way of Jesus. And when he's preaching out in the wilderness um, in Matthew chapter 3, this is what he says. He says, the kingdom of the heavens is not later, but at hand. Fast forward in the book of Matthew to Matthew chapter 4. Jesus has now been baptized. He's been sent out into the wilderness and returned. And what's the message that's on the lips of Jesus Repent, because the kingdom of heaven is not later, but at hand. And then fast forward Matthew chapter 10, Jesus is now sending out the 12 disciples, and he's sending them out with a message, and the message he gives them to preach is that the kingdom of heaven is not on its way, but at hand. It's happened, friends. <laughs> Maybe this is why Jesus can be crucified on the cross, speaking to the sinners to his left and his right and saying to one of them, today you will be with me in paradise. If we're going to understand the why behind our what, one of the first things we have to get our head around is this idea of the kingdom of heaven and not only what it is, but when it is. In the scriptures, in the mind of Jesus, it seems to be available now. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. Yes, Matt. Yes, Matt. But, but bring the tension. Yes, uh, it's now and not yet. It's on its way. Revelation chapter 21, uh, God is bringing a new city to come and invade our world. He's going to make all things new and establish everything under the rule and reign of Jesus. But when I speak to people and there's a waiting of the now and not yet, I find that most of our expectation, lived experience of God is overweighted in the spectrum on the side of the not yet. And so much of our following of Jesus is pushed to what we'll do later when we die, and, and doesn't have a whole lot to do with who we're becoming now while we live. And this parable of what the kingdom of heaven is like, it's not a treasure that someone found later. It's a treasure that someone found today. And so if that speaks to the when of this kingdom of heaven, let's focus in a little bit on the what of this kingdom of heaven. It's, it's a treasure. It's infinitely valuable. Uh, why? why? Why is this kingdom of heaven, this God reality, so valuable? Well, I, I think about uh, the scriptures where it says that eternal life is to know God and to know the one he sent into the world. Uh, I hear Dallas Willard talk about how this kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God in the human heart. This ultimate reality, this kingdom of heaven that's available to us 
now and is fully realized later, um, it's so valuable because it's defined by Jesus himself. There's this idea of the fact that our souls are restless until we find our rest in him or if there's nothing in this world that can satisfy us maybe it's because we were made for more than this world and what in fact we were made for was christ himself he knocks at the door and if we'll open he'll come in and dine with us you see this kingdom of heaven is not an invitation to some kind of religious system or a box of doctrinal statements this kingdom of heaven is an invitation to god to christ himself to sit at the table with Jesus. And you can do that now, friends. It's the ultimate treasure. And if, as you listening to this, if there's a disturbance in you, if there's a disquiet in you, if you've taken your eternal hunger to temporary things and been found wanting, there is good news for you because there is a treasure and you don't have to wait the rest of your life to know it. The gospel is not that you believe a thing so that you can go somewhere when you die and in the meantime you passively manage your sin while you wait for the exit. (laughs) That's what so many have believed but that's not the promise of the gospel. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Christ has come and you can know him. Right? It's a treasure thing about this treasure is that it has, it's got a hiddenness to it. That hiddenness is not so much because it's elusive, but more because it's costly. It's that narrow road that few people are going to find, right? And so if we really want to lean in to this kingdom of heaven, if we want to live in an experience of friendship with God, we're going to have to do some looking, I can see the red flags already going up in some people's minds. Are you talking about the fact that we have to earn our salvation? No, no. My language for it would be this, that salvation is grace, but intimacy is not automatic. And so many of us, what's happened is we've interpreted salvation as a finish line rather than a starting block. And so then when grace got us in the door of the house, all we did was hang out in the entranceway. We never went exploring the rooms in the second, third, and fourth floor. We never went down into the basement or the back garden where there's a roller coaster in the pool and a table with Christ himself and a meal that you couldn't even imagine in your wildest dreams. This treasure is a little bit hidden, not so much because it's elusive, but because it's costly. But then someone finds it. And when this guy finds it, and this is really what I want to press into now, it doesn't say in his reluctance, It doesn't say in his depressed state or in his obligation. It says in his joy, right? In his joy. What did he do? He went and sold everything he had, and he bought that field. (laughs) This is great to me because so often the cost of discipleship is framed as this kind of heavy thing that people have to enter into out of some kind of obligatory understanding. And when I read this passage, I don't hear obligation. I hear celebration, right? It's a person who's been living with counterfeit their whole life and then finally encountering the real thing and in their joy, throwing the counterfeit away and entering into what they were made for. 
Again, it's C.S. Lewis. You can't not quote this man, right? But it's, it's us who are so preoccupied with sex and pleasure that we're like children making mud pies in the garden, never knowing that our holiday at sea is available. You see, will it cost you to experience the kingdom of heaven that is Christ at your table or you perhaps at his? Yes, it will. But is it a cost really? No, because in comparison to what? (laughs) What does Jesus say? Don't fear the man who can destroy your body and destroy what you have. Fear the one who can destroy your soul. What does he say? He says, what what does it matter if you gain the whole world, but you lose your soul? What does it profit you? You see, we've got it backwards, friends. We've thought, you know, there's that passage that says, to live as Christ and die is gain, you know? And we've kind of got that backwards, and we kind of think like to live is gain and to die is Christ, you know? As if, as if Christ is, is the second-rate option. As if, as if houses and cars and pleasures and possessions are better than friendship with the maker of the universe. <laughs> Do you see how crazy that is? And that's where I love how the story ends, that Because that's really where the focus of our friendship with Jesus should take us. The man buys the field, friends. (laughs) He he burns his ships, you know. There's that idea of like, uh, it's one of these old stories when these guys would go to war in their ships and then they'd land on the enemy's ground. And then the generals would burn all the ships so that the armies had no chance of retreat. That's what's happening in the story. This dude has been searching for something. That's how you find something that's hidden. And when he found it, he recognized how valuable it was. Then in his celebratory joy, it makes me think of the disciples when they were beaten within an inch of their life for preaching the gospel. And it says they went out rejoicing because they were counted worthy to suffer for the name of Christ. (laughs) Um, This is the gospel. It's crazy, right? I love that the story ends with a focus on the gain of Christ. He is no fool who gives all that he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. What a beautiful thought. This is the gospel. This is the kingdom of heaven. This is the why behind the what of following. What do I mean by that? Think about, particularly if you're listening to this from the Western world, think about your average experience of Christianity, maybe in your own life and in the lives of the people you know. How many people do you know who live like this? (laughs) I don't know many. Interrogate your own heart. Where are you in the story? Let's start at the top. Do you believe that there's a reality now to be experienced in friendship with God? It, does that consume your waking hours and your sleeping ones? <laughs> because it should. Think, think about that. If God is who God is, if in the beginning, before the, if he was before the beginning, 
And then this God spoke. And remember, 1 John, that this Word, who was Christ, was in the beginning with the Spirit who was hovering over the waters. So we've got this beautifully relational, Trinitarian, creative force that exists and from which time came. (laughs) And this personality, personified in Christ, in the face of Christ is the glory of God, is saying to you and me, come and sit with me at a table, not just one day a week, but every moment of your life. If that's true, shouldn't that be the greatest priority in your world right now? And is it? Now, I understand it. Some of you, uh, some of you are saying, Matt, uh, you know I have two crazy children to look after and a job to hold down, and I'm, I'm just trying to keep my sanity. Never mind enter into this kingdom of heaven that you say is breaking through into my morning traffic. I get it. I get it. But what I'm saying is, Jesus seems to think that even there, friend, you can experience his friendship. You can experience this idea of being one with God, this union with God. So, so that's the first question. Do you even believe that? Do you believe it's possible? If you believe it's possible, are you searching for it? How valuable do you think this thing is? Is it, is it more valuable than Netflix? Is it more valuable than scrolling your Instagram feed? Is it more valuable than that date, that pursuit, that job? Is it more valuable than that destination? How, how much do you want it? Jesus is clear. He, he talks about, you can't be my followers unless you lay your life down to follow me. He, he's not trying to be harsh there. He's just being honest. He's, he's just saying, you can't serve both money and God. You can't serve both, fill in the gap. And God, a divided heart, it hasn't got the capacity to walk the road that leads to intimacy with God. Right? That, it's just, he's just stating the facts. Like, if you jump off a roof, you'll hit the floor. Gravity. You can't really follow Jesus unless you're willing to die. Okay? So, so are you looking for it? Are you searching for the hidden treasure? If you believe it's possible and you're searching for it, man, here's my encouragement to you. Keep looking. (laughs) Keep going, because you're going to find it. And it may not all come at once. You're going to find pieces and bits on the way, right? It's going to reveal itself and reveal itself and reveal itself. But here's the more important thing, and this is a big question. Is your heart postured in joy, right? Do you count count everything as joy for the sake of knowing Christ? And then Paul says, and participating with him in his suffering, right? Is, it, is, is this idea of this treasure and your experience of this treasure so valuable that no matter what it may cost you, it's joy? And then, friends, have you bought the field? <laughs> have you bought the field? I just think about uh, the, the disciples, right? And Jesus comes and, and he calls them. And what do they do? They leave their nets, man. They leave their nets and then they go follow him into the craziness for three years. Here's, here's where we see the humanness and here's where there's grace for us. When Jesus dies and then everyone thinks he's dead, where does he find Peter again? Back at the fishing, right? Because, because we have this tendency to go back. And that's okay. God meets us there. But by the grace of God, he calls us on. Hey, Peter, will you feed my sheep? Will you leave the nets again? That's the invitation. 
This is the desire. This is the why behind the what of follower. We want to be a community that helps people live into what Jesus calls the fullness of life. We don't want to settle for some kind of domesticated religious experience that checks attendance boxes on a Sunday, but never lives into the dynamic fullness of friendship with God. We want to follow Jesus to the very depths of his heart and to the ends of the earth. That's the why. And we want to help you and communities like you do the same thing. Our desire is to play our small part in the big story of Jesus to prepare a bride for the groom. That's our desire. That includes us. We're not exempt from this. We're always students. There are no gurus here among us. But, but we want to contribute to the broader body. We want to, we want to serve individuals and communities, help them enter into this idea of deep friendship with God, transforming friendship with God, the fullness of life, the kingdom of heaven. That, that's the why behind the what. That's, that's the burning that hums underneath the bonnet of this community. That's the vision we hold before us. And next week, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what that actually looks like. So, so then, if that's the goal, if that's the hope, to live into this, this kingdom of heaven, well, how do you do that? Um, what, what does it actually mean? And we're going to talk about a community of learning and practice in the way of Jesus. Uh, so that's going to be coming at you next week. Um, I wanted to mention one more thing before we go. If this talk has been helpful for you, uh, one of the things you'll find really exciting is that we just launched the follower blog. <laughs> so you can go to www.wearefollower.com and you'll check out a blog post there called We Are Follower. And it's basically a bit more reading on this topic from another angle. So if you've been inspired by this, go check out the blog and make sure you subscribe because every time there's a new blog and there'll be a lot of them coming now, uh, you'll get a notification directly into your inbox. So uh, friends, thanks for listening. So good to be back in your ears. It's been a while since I've just kind of had a conversation with you, I guess, or just shared some thoughts like this. Um, I hope this has been helpful, encouraging, spire, inspiring. A friend of mine says, I, 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 I aim to disturb the comfortable and comfort the disturbed. So I hope it's been a little bit of that for you. Um, where's the disturbance to the comfortable? Man, if you are comfy in, your, um, in a faith that you can manage, <laughs> let me put it that way. If you're comfy with... With a, with a view of God um, that doesn't cost you anything, doesn't inconvenience you in any way, doesn't really have any bearing on your lived experience, but in your mind is a kind of insurance policy for uh, a, a place to go one day when you die, the, then here would be how I'd want to disturb that comfort. You are settling for so much less uh, than what's possible. And then how do I comfort the disturbed? Man, if you are 
longing and thirsting and hungering for more. If uh, you have a hunch that this can't be all there is, whether that's your uh, whether that's your job or in just the society that you're in or even uh, the kind of re- the religious system that you're a part of, it, whatever the thing is, uh, wherever you are in that story, if you're going, there's more, here's the comfort for you, you're right. <laughs> you are right. He's the ladder, friends. He's the ladder. Remember Jacob's ladder? He's on his way in the middle of nowhere. He falls asleep on a rock. And what does he do? He has this vision of angels ascending and descending. And, and then what does he say? He says, this is the very house of God. This is the doorway of heaven, right? Then Jesus later on in the New Testament, what does he say? He says, you will see the Son of Man like a ladder and you will see angels ascending and descending on him. He's making a reference and he's saying, I'm the one who brings the kingdom here. <laughs> I tear the temple. Man, we could just keep going phrase after phrase, picture after picture. I tear the temple and it floods the streets. The Holy of Holies isn't hidden away anymore. It's come. I pour out my spirit. Right? This is, this is it, guys. That's the promise. So, so if you're disturbed, there's your comfort. What you're longing for, it exists. <laughs> His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Repent. Reimagine your whole life in light of this one truth. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's all for this episode of the Fuller Podcast. If you found it helpful or inspiring, please consider sharing it and leaving a review on your podcast platform to help us connect with more people around the world. If you would like to support the Ministry of Follower with a monthly contribution or one-off donation, you can visit www.wearefollower.com forward slash support. And to say thank you, we'll send you a free copy of Live the Story, an ebook that helps you learn to share your faith with others. Until next time, may you follow Jesus to the depths of his heart as he helps you share his love wherever you go. From the ground beneath your feet to the very end of the earth.